For ByteBSU in Muncie, Indiana, I'm Blake Chapman. The Tokyo Games Show was in full swing last weekend, and while some of the major showcases took place a little earlier in the week, all three console developers showed out with surprise announcements and in some cases, a greater focus on Japanese titles. Nintendo kicked the festivities off on Tuesday with a plethora of new games and previously released titles now available on the platform, such as the most recent Resident Evil remakes via the cloud, along with the original Mario Parties, Pokemon Stadiums, and GoldenEye for Nintendo 64 Online, the last of which will also be coming to Xbox Game Pass, but the online component will only be available on the Switch version. As for the latest and greatest, the presentation began with some gameplay of a new mainline Fire Emblem game coming in January, a sequel to Octopath Traveler set for February, and a remake of Kirby's Return to Dreamland. The Pinkman series finally got some much-needed attention from director Shigeru Miyamoto with the release of an AR smartphone game from Niantic of Pokemon Go fame. Then we got our first look, in literal terms, at the long-awaited Pinkman 4 with a release window of next year. Closing out the show, the incessant pleas for more information on the Breath of the Wild sequel were finally answered, with a rapid gameplay trailer that seemingly confirmed the return of traditional dungeons, new gliding mechanics, and updated Sheikah Slate runes. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is set to launch on May 12, 2023. Xbox and PlayStation both had smaller but still impactful showings, with the former announcing the arrival of BlazBlue Crosstag, Guilty Gear Strive, the Nino Kuni series, and Deathloop to the green brand. Deathloop coming with a plethora of changes as a part of Arcane's Golden Loop update, including cross-platform matchmaking, an armory of new weapons, and an extended ending. The latter focused entirely on new titles, with the first proper showing of Tekken 8, a remake of the Yakuza spin-off Like a Dragon Ishin that's set to launch for the first time in the West in February, and a story trailer for God of War Ragnarok that teases Kratos' inevitable fight with Thor. While he ventured beyond solely producing music a while ago, Kanye West's fashion lines have always been promoted through different companies, such as Adidas or Gap, until now. In a new interview with Bloomberg, West shared his intention to pursue his interests in clothing independently, saying, quote, I made the company's money. The company's made me money. Now it's time for Ye to make the new industry. No more companies standing in between me and the audience, end quote. And these threats don't seem to be empty, as West's attorney Nicholas Gravante told the Associated Press and Wall Street Journal Thursday that a letter seeking to terminate the contract with Gap has been forwarded to the clothing chain. According to the letter, which West also posted to his Instagram story, Gap breached the agreement by not releasing the apparel under the Yeezy Gap brand or opening any of the five proposed retail stores dedicated exclusively to his products. In a surprise appearance on CNBC's closing bell after the termination news broke, West also claims management didn't allow him to set affordable price points or trust his aesthetic choices. It was like they were just dog, dog and pony and the idea around town. And sometimes I would talk to the guys, the heads up, the leaders, and it would just be like I was on mute or something. And they totally, our, our agenda, it wasn't aligned. A king can't live in someone else's castle. A king has to make his own castle. West's current contract with Gap Incorporated expires in 2030, and the deal with Adidas ends in 2026. Though there's no word yet on if he intends to cut ties as abruptly with the sneaker and sportswear giant. In the meantime, both companies still have the right to sell existing products before ceasing to use the brand name. Does art imitate life, or does life imitate art? 
Fans of the science fiction mainstay Blade Runner are now considering that quandary more aptly, as a new live-action limited series based on the same universe has been greenlit, ironically, by Amazon. Blade Runner 2099 is now fully underway at Prime Video after initial development was announced in February. Ridley Scott, the director of the first iteration in the franchise, will serve as executive producer for the series, set 50 years after the escapades of Officer K and Nyander Wallace in the sequel. 2049 co-writer Michael Green will also executive produce, with Silka Luisa from the Apple TV series Shining Girls and Paramount's Halo as the showrunner. Plot details, casting selections, or even a release window have not yet been revealed, even though Scott did tease last November that a pilot and show bible were already in production. 2099 will not be the first adaptation of Scott's original sci-fi noir after the release of the animated series Blade Runner Black Lotus last year. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a Joker. How are you settling into the city? Things are great. I've met a ton of great people, a ton of friends. Have you found work? I'm pursuing a career in stand-up comedy. I'm gonna be a comedian! As the Toronto International Film Festival drew to a close this weekend, one unorthodox picture left the Roy Thompson Theatre early over alleged copyright issues. The People's Joker, a queer mixed-media movie centered around the gender dysmorphia of an aspiring clown comedian in Gotham City, was pulled from the festival's lineup after its premiere on Wednesday by its director and lead actress, Vera Drew. While Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Comics, who hold the rights to the Batman universe, have not commented on the film, it's likely a cease and desist letter was issued to block the three additional screenings the film had left at TIFF. In a statement to Variety this week, Drew insinuated that legal action had been taken against her project, saying, quote, I don't respond well to bullying or pressure from faceless institutions. Everyone is going to get a chance to see this film. The movie was a part of TIFF's Midnight Madness program, which presents bizarre films with over-the-top audience reaction, and a title card displayed before its premiere noted the film was protected under fair use as a piece of social commentary and education. The People's Joker is still up for the festival's People's Choice Award, and Drew assured her team is working with possible distribution partners. In much better news for trans artists and internet personalities, the online forum Kiwi Farms, infamous for the doxing and extreme harassment of transgender content creators, has been blocked from the web security provider Cloudflare following an intense online protest. The hashtag Drop Kiwi Farms campaign, led by the Twitch streamer and transgender activist Clara Sorrenti, or Keffels, became the largest in the site's history late last month, after Sorrenti publicly spoke about her experience being targeted. Over several months, Sorrenti and her family were continuously doxxed and hacked before she was forced into hiding and temporarily moved to Northern Ireland. A cycle instigated by Kiwi Farms that previously led to at least three suicides between 2016 and 2021, including indie game developer Chloe Sagal and non-binary software-slash-emulator designer David Near Ginder. Though there was some initial resistance on the basis of neutrality, Cloudflare finally dropped their services from Kiwi Farms along with HCAPTCHA and DDoS Guard, both used for site security just 24 hours later. Kiwi Farms operator Joshua Null Moon admitted in a conspiracy-riddled post on the forum's Telegram account after the severance that without Cloudflare, the site can operate and will die much like 8chan and Daily Stormer, similar internet blogs that harbored stalkers and white supremacists. Backups of the site have also been scrubbed from the Wayback Machine, a rare occurrence that typically only happens for copyright infringement or at written request of the original host. 
The Internet Archive has previously protested requests to remove similar dangerous and controversial content. Kiwi Farms hosting servers are still housed at Fiberhub and Vanwatech, neither of which have made a statement, but they're also expected to drop the forum soon. As always, make sure to keep up with everything Byte on the web at BallStateDaily.com, and make sure to check back soon for another episode of Wrapped Up. Till next time, for Byte BSU, I'm Blake Chapman.